or dead. Just right. alive at some point. Once alive things. Good point. Um, and so, like, Robin's dead porcupine would count in that sense. You are listening to Urban Wildlife Hello, and welcome to an episode of the Urban Wildlife Podcast and Nature's Hype Man. Uh, we're doing a dual podcast, and I guess if you're looking at us right now, dual podcast plus dual YouTube cast um, of our podcast, uh, both of which are part of the Wildlife Observer Network. Um, if you want to get in touch with us real quick, I'll get this information in there. If you want to get in touch with us at um, the Urban Wildlife Podcast, you can do that at Herb Wildlife Cast on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook and email us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com. Um, for the broader Wildlife Observer Network, uh, you can go to www.wildlifeobservernetwork.com and find us on Instagram at Wildlife Obs Network. Um, and so I'll do some quick introductions. I'm one of your uh, one of your Urban Wildlife Cast co-hosts, Billy Brown, um, in his dining room. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I did clean up, but I recognize the viewers might notice I look kind of tired. Um, and looking much fresher than me are, uh, are Naveen, who's over there in that corner. Um, <laughs> Naveen is not a co-host of any podcast right now, not yet, um, not yet. but one of but Philadelphia's dominant iNaturalist contributor. Um, and the official, the official organizer for the uh, City Nature Challenge in Philadelphia. And then we have Robin Arisari, uh, who, in addition to being one of the co-hosts of Nature's Hype Man, also likes to play with dead porcupines. Robin, you want to talk about that video real quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been a long month of being at home and not being able to go out and explore very far. So uh, my morning walks have been pretty close nearby, walking along the creek, walking along the train tracks behind the house. Uh, pretty exciting find yesterday along the train tracks was actually a dead porcupine, which if you know anything about Philadelphia and Montgomery County, we're well out of range of porcupines. They shouldn't be anywhere around here. So the closest I can figure out is that this unfortunate porcupine decided it was going to uh, hop on a train down to Philly. Um, slipped and fell to an untimely death, unfortunately. Um, that's, that's my hypothesis. Yeah. Uh, pretty wild, pretty unexpected. Took lots of photos, put it on iNaturalist, took a video. The video is posted to our Wildlife Observer Network YouTube page. So if you want to check that out, if you want to see me fiddling around looking at this dead porcupine carcass, which... Everybody does, right? Did you end up with any quills stuck in your skin? I didn't. No, no. Were you I tempted got... to try it? Uh, I think the, the morbid, like you the, know, I think one of the nettles to see how they really say, feel. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I could do without that. But, but the emergency room in Philadelphia don't need you in there with a handful. They don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be the guy walking in with like a bunch of quills. <laughs> anyway. More to see there if you want to go swing on over to Wildlife Observer Network YouTube channel and check out that full video. Very true. Um, I will say that porcupines are something that, well, if you're if you're someone who's from, uh, you know, let's say like the New York latitude and south um, in the United States, 
uh, you might not see many porcupines. You'll see like possums and raccoons and groundhogs as common roadkill. Um, but once you get into the mountains, let's say in Pennsylvania, if you think of, um, I don't know, but most of Pennsylvania is mountains to be fair. Uh, and once you're driving around there, dead on the road, porcupines are like right up there with the possums and the raccoons. Um, so they're, they're, they're cute, but they're blundering half blind, you know, creatures that, um, their defense is to stand still. So it just doesn't work very well against mobile objects like trains or trucks. Um, I'm really honored that this thing came all this way <laughs> shows right behind my house to try and, you know, hop off the train. And I'll say, I'm surprised, I'm impressed and surprised that none of your kids ended up with porcupine quills in them either. So that's no, especially that. since I moved a bunch of the quills even closer to the house to kind of <laughs> let them air out a little bit. <laughs> Anyway, right. that was my iNaturalist observation highlight of the weekend. All uh, right, so um, we're going we're gonna to move this along quick because we don't have a very long podcast because got, I've got the free version of Zoom that we're recording on right now. Um, right. And so uh, we're going to talk about the City Nature Challenge. We talked about it a bit last year. Um, and uh, before I jump into it, or instead of jumping into it, I'm going to ask Naveen to jump into it because he is Mr. City Nature Challenge Philadelphia. Um, you can see him with his sash and the speedo on, on our website. <laughs> Go ahead, take it away. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, really. Uh, the City Nature Challenge uh, is a four-day competition that was started um, in 2016 by the California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco and uh, the National History Museum of Los Angeles County uh, as a way to engage citizens in some citizen science efforts, and they dreamed it up back in 2016, and it was just a competition between San Francisco and LA in the beginning. Uh, it later expanded to a bunch of uh, cities across the US, I think it was 16, uh, and worldwide after that. Uh, last year, Philadelphia participated for the first time, uh, and we're doing it again this year. Um, I think this this year there were 250 cities, despite all the COVID-19 issues, we're trying to make the best of it. Um, so. It's a, it's a Bible's type event, so it happens over four days, and cities around the world get their citizens out, making observations of wildlife on iNaturalist for this four-day period. Awesome. And so how did we do last year? Um, did pretty well for, for, the first, for our first-time city. Uh, we think we were in the low 20s for both obs- observations and species, 23, 24, I think. Uh, but we did really, really well in the number of people actually participating. I think we got 585 people to actually make at least one observation, uh, beating out even New York City, uh, and we ended up 16th place worldwide out of 158 cities, I think. Yeah, and we kicked Tokyo's ass, which was like <laughs> my job, which was early on, I was like, you know, we got to pick the biggest city in the world and, and have them be our target. Also because they had this like informational card, which was like something out of like, like you would imagine like a joke, stereotypical Japanese piece of media where it was just like jam packed with writing and graphics. Um, and I was like, man, they've, these guys are, have got game. And so it turns out we, we wallop them. Um, and the people who walloped us and everybody else, it turns out I was surprised we're Cape Town, South Africa. Um, and we actually recorded an interview with um, the organizer there uh, and also La Paz, Bolivia. 
um, did really well. Uh, I mean, and of course, like, you know, Los Angeles and San Francisco, the original cities. Um, but it's it, the, the, the global competition aspect of it is a lot of fun. Um, but that'll actually be my segue into one of the big differences this year. Um, so as you can imagine, um, you know, the city nature challenge in a normal year is something that, uh, it makes a lot, it, it lends itself well to nature walks, to, um, bio blitz events where you got a lot of people with some experts and some space looking under rocks, you know, looking in plants, um, looking under logs, looking for mushrooms, snakes, beetles, what have you. Uh, and this year, that's basically impossible as group events, um, because if we're going to be avoiding groups of people and keeping six feet away from each other, um, I don't know if you've ever let a nature walker been on one. It's really hard to do with those kinds of conditions. Um, so basically, uh, the entire city nature challenge is shifting to something much more individually based. Uh, and the organizers, in light of just the massive difficulties that so many cities are going to have doing this, um, have changed it from a competition uh, to a collaboration. And so um, I'll note that Naveen is incredibly com competitive. Um, the rest of us, just out of our Philly pride, I think end up pretty competitive. And Philadelphia is a city known for its competitive spirit. Um, so this is kind of hard for us. Um, I think no matter what, we'll be on some level running numbers and comparing ourselves to New York um, and, uh, and, and Cape Town, frankly. Um, and, but still, officially, it is not a competition. Um, and, you know, one of the, the and what we're going to get into a minute, some of the ways that, um, in a way, the Signature Challenge is the perfect event for our social distancing, physical distancing reality right now. Um, but I wanted to, to and, and we should say this is a starting off a little bit, obviously, because we're on Philadelphia and we're on the organizing committee for the Philadelphia City Nature Challenge, a little bit Philly-centric. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about some of the things we're doing in Philadelphia, but really anywhere in the world, you can do this. Um, so in terms of like leading up to the challenge, uh, Naveen, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've been doing with um, a Facebook group we have for Philadelphia naturalists? Sure, yeah. Um, so after social isolation started, been mostly stuck at home, um, didn't have much to do, so I thought of getting people involved looking, looking at nature around there. So we had this Facebook group called the Philadelphia Field Naturalists Club, uh, and uh, I started posting daily challenges of things that are commonly found in the area that people can find in their backyards or just on neighborhood blocks. So each day I post a species of wildlife and tell people to go look for it that day. Um, of course, uh, doing social distancing uh, and isolation, whatever safety precautions they need to take. Uh, so it's a good way for people to learn about what's around there. I just had the impulse to tie a napkin at our dining room table around my face um, having this conversation. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think it's a good way to get people uh, to know what kind of plants uh, and mushrooms and animals around them and just get them ready to be able to spot these things during the actual city nature challenge. So that's in a couple of days for when we record this. And, and it's something, it's a points to different ways that we can hype, uh, or that we can, you know, the city, the city nature challenge, all it is is observations of non-domesticated or non-cultivated things that are alive um, during a four-day period in the cities that have signed up for that, right? So for Philadelphia, well, it doesn't need to be alive, though. It, it, 
or dead. Just have right. to have been alive at some point. Once alive things. Good point. Um, and so, like, Robin's dead porcupine would count in that sense. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, uh, where was I going with that? Um, I guess my, my point is that it's a very general concept. Um, and so you can, you can be someone like me who's into reptiles and amphibians and just be like, I'm going to find as many damn salamanders as I can find. Um, and that all, all those observations will count. Um, or you could say, I am going to take each day and fix a different, pick a different um, set of taxa or, or something that we're going to focus on, on on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Different places. You can say, like, Sunday is basement day. I'm going to catalog every arthropod that lives in my basement. Um, and uh, so, so sort of getting ready with these kinds of challenges is perfect. Um, and... Uh, I sort of, and, and Robin, why don't you talk about some ways that people are focusing? Like, I think I might have just stolen your thunder a little bit, um, but go ahead with talking about thunder. how how we can slice and dice the city nature challenge in in however you want to slice and dice it. Yeah, I I mean I think the big thing that we just love getting across to people is like despite not being able to go out in groups, which is really fun and a big part of you know what made last year so great. Um, you know, this app is just really versatile. You can go out and you can document, you know, anything that you can find just with your phone, with your tablet. Um, you know, you don't even have to go outside. You can do this in your home. Billy mentioned the basement, you know, check your basement, check your crawl space, find oh, yeah. centipedes, house I centipedes, did it in my bathtub. Spiders. With, by which I mean the silverfish that I found. I was not in the bathtub, but the silverfish was. Um, so that was, that was an observation. Hey, last year, you know, the night before, you know, because it starts at the stroke of midnight on the 24th, right? So the night before I left the bathroom window open so that at midnight I can go in and find some bugs flying around in my bathroom. So if you're, if you really want to, you know, take this to the next level. That's the kind of commitment we're looking for all the people watching this. Invite the bugs into your home and then, you know, chase them around like after the next couple of days are over. But there's lots of ways that you can do this you know, your backyard, if you've got a backyard, if you've got a bird feeder, I know it's not something that everyone has access to, but you know, we're all in different kind of places where we're all self-isolating. I happen to have a backyard here that I have some bird feeders up. I've been, you know, taking some photos through the binoculars, digiscoping, um, getting pictures of some of the morning doves, eating seed on the ground, um, flipping logs, you know, even just, you know, I know Billy takes his, uh, walks through the neighborhood, goes to the community garden, you know, the weeds growing up out of the cracks there. That's all wild wildlife. It doesn't have to necessarily be native wildlife. It's, you know, introduced and stuff that's, you know, just growing wild. Um, one thing that Naveen had brought up in previous conversations was that, you know, folks are doing moth nights throughout the City Nature Challenge. And if you're not familiar with the moth night, the idea is that you set up a big, sheets like a bed sheet or a white tablecloth and <clears throat> you hit it with a spotlight through the night um, a lot of times folks use a black light uh, insects are just drawn to this big white glowing sheet and you can just come by and periodically snap photos of everything that shows up i know in a previous urban wildlife podcast we talked about moth nights and you guys have done some examples so if you guys want to find that episode way back um, you can click the link right here. So no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so, 
we'll, we'll put a link for you. But, um, you know, there's lots of stuff that will come through a sheet like that. There's lots of ways that you can. Really I believe the episode title was Moth Night Every Night. But yeah. Moth Night Every Night. Yeah. Every night. Um, so there's lots of great ways that you can make the most of this. If you happen to have a little microscope, you know, you can check that out. But there's lots of great ways that you can get involved. So Great. I'm going to share a screen real quick. I think this will work. Um, show off my uh, a, a an observation I made. Are you guys seeing my European field pansy? Not yet, but I believe you that it exists. Okay. Well, it might not be. It should be showing up on the screen. Um, but there, actually, I just did it. I think it should be showing the pansy. Is that showing up now? Yeah. I still see Naveen. I still see Billy. Um, oh, because I never clicked share. There we ah. go. There you go. I wanted to show off some stuff that I've seen Boom, recently. Look at that. Um, we've got about... This is actually, magnificent as I imagined. Zoom just gifted me a few extra minutes, it looks like, so we're not so desperate, but I wanted to show a few um, side... These are all sidewalk crack weeds um, that I found in my neighborhood. So you mentioned European field pansy. It's a violet that um, that is as is not native. It's European, um, and this one, I, I like to highlight the eponymous um, plants that we have in Pennsylvania. Uh, in Philadelphia, this is a Pennsylvania peltory, um, which is a member of the thistle, not thistle, nettle family, and um, something that pops up sidewalk cracks around Philadelphia, at least. Uh, and I will also share one of my beloved animals. Um, this is a couple brown snakes that I found in the garden. My gloves were on because of the gardening, not because of the snakes, which are utterly harmless. Um, so people who are listening to this, I just showed a picture of uh, some brown snakes, which are small very cute little snakes and kind of tan color with a little bit of patterning on the back. Um, before that, uh, it was just a bunch of green, but Pennsylvania Pellatory, as great as the name is, um, is a very boring looking plant. Um, it looks like a bunch of basil growing out of your sidewalk. And then the, uh, the European field pansy um, looks like, um, like a common blue violet really, but yellow and the leaves are a different shape. Um, sort of longer, a little bit indented. Um, and so the point is that these are all things that I saw within, I don't know, like a two block radius of my house. Um, I spared you guys the really grainy picture of the kestrels that live down my block. Um, I digiscope them. The picture good enough to ID, which is what we care about. Um, you don't want to just look at Naveen's iNaturalist account, which has lots of really good pictures. You want to look at my account, which has crappy pictures that were good enough. Um, and cause that's all you need for the signature challenge. Uh, yeah, so, I saw those pictures. It, it was like a tiny Bigfoot perched on the top of the building across the street from your house. Exactly. But you yeah. can tell that it's a Kestrel. A little, little Sasquatch that's footage. The important but, part. Yeah, it was identifiable. Yeah. And I can't it <laughs> well, cause the, the Kestrels kept doing it. Like they were mating over and over again. And I kept like, you know, they don't take that long. And so I kept getting pictures, like getting my like phone and like binoculars ready when they were sort of just chilling in the afterglow. And so like, I, I kept, <laughs> I kept missing the moment. Um, so there you go. Uh, that, hold on one second, guys, I'm getting my notes together. Okay, great. So 
Um, that was about all we meant to, to talk about today. I think the, the key message also is you might not know where, um, whether your city is competing. Again, 250 odd cities around the globe. Um, I would say just go to, just Google City Nature Challenge and they got a list on the website of all the cities that are competing. Um, even if you're not competing, I, I like to make the point, the City Nature Challenge, the competition is great. This year there's not a competition, but the point of it is to get people engaged with nature around where, where we live. Um, and so if you're an urbanite, like the three of us on this call, and like frankly, most people on the planet, I think, um, urbanite or suburbanite, I guess, uh, then we shouldn't just think of nature as being something out in the parks where you have to drive to. Um, and it is also, you can also connect with wildlife, connect with nature, um, connect with biodiversity, and maybe learn about it and eventually learn to conserve it um, right around where you live. And so the City Nature Challenge is something that even if you can't take part in the specific City Nature Challenge, the overall mission is accessible all year, wherever you are. Um, and tools like iNaturalist, um, and we're not like paid by naturalists or anything like that. We're not shills for them. Um, we also use eBird and there's some other apps out there too we know. Um, but these are all ways to like, to, to collect data that's useful for researchers eventually, um, that you can connect yourself to nature and also join communities of people who are interested in this kind of thing. Um, and so those are all wonderful things even if you are not in a competing city yourself. Um, I'm going to wrap up in a second. Do you guys have anything else you want to add here at the end? Um, yeah, I think so. The one thing I want to plug, and I'm not associated with it anyway, is the Never Home Alone project on iNaturalist. I think it's really cool. And Can you say that one more time? Sorry? Just catch that word. The Never what? Never Home Alone. So it's a project started based on uh, some data collected by, I think, North Carolina State University. They did a study. Oh, yeah what uh, species live in people's houses and I think like they got or like around 50 houses they got over 10,000 observations over hundreds of species so like an average home has probably around over 50 species so you don't even need to go outside your house to see a bunch of stuff my own house I'm pretty sure I can get 30 to 40 species over this 40 period I love, I, I, we interviewed um, Dr. Misha Leong of the California Academy of Sciences about um, research she did using City Nature Challenge data. And she actually um, was involved with that. I think we were talking a little bit about how she was going into houses around the Bay Area, um, sort of with her little siphon things, you know, that the entomologists like to use and sort of cataloging the bugs in people's homes. Like you, Basically, I'm looking, not that you can see this. All right, there's my windows in my dining room. So one of the hot spots in any house is the windowsills um, because sometimes things crawl in from the outside, get trapped in between your window and your, your screen, something like that. Um, so just like using a little like, you know, magnifying glass or something around your windows, you could probably find a dozen species. Yeah. Okay, Robin, you want anything at the end? No, uh, you know, just want to, you know, express how excited we are to be participating in the City Nature Challenge yet again, uh, despite all of the circumstances surrounding everything this year. Um, we're excited about that. We're excited about launching this Wildlife Observer Network. Uh, we're excited about having 
lots of podcasts and content already lined up to share with you all. So yep. make sure you swing over to the wildlifeobservernetwork.com and check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, lots of ways to stay in touch. Yes, sir. And City Nature, uh, <laughs> almost a City Nature challenge. I'm so used to talking about it. I forgot that I have a, about the podcast part. Um, Urban Wildlife Podcast. Uh, again, you can reach us at Twitter at Herb Wildlife Cast. You can email us at UrbanWildlifeCast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and give us ideas. Um, and also, last year, we, we talked to various people around the world who were, who were doing the City Nature Challenge. Um, if you're listening to this and are yourself taking part, um, we would, you know, we'd love to talk to you. And even if you're out there doing your thing in your basement, on your block, in the park, um, and you want to record a little voice note or a little audio on your phone, um, as you're looking at stuff, please do that. That's the stuff we love to put in the podcast. Um, so with that, thanks everybody. And in a few days, we hope you're out there. Um, I'm adding your, your tushies off and finding lots of neat stuff. Um, thank you very much. Have a good night. Take it easy.